Mine Head Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 28th of January 2024. Hello and welcome. Thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week, Paul continued our series looking at the wisdom of Proverbs and he looked at generosity. The readings are Proverbs chapter 9, verses 1 to 6 and 23, verses 6 to 8. We had some technical problems at the start of the service, so this week we're joining Alec as he's introducing the prayers of intercession. I just love it. I love it. I think it's so important that the children enjoy being in church, so that's great. Intercession. I want to now to concentrate our prayers on what you prayed last week out loud if you were here. You're going to think, I don't remember praying out loud last week, most of you. Well, you did. Because you sang, shine, Jesus, shine. And what's that if it's not a prayer? Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. That's a prayer. And how is God going to shine? How is Jesus going to shine in our land? Jesus is the light of the world. But he looked at his disciples and said, you are the light of the world. So I want to pray this morning for Christians in the various aspects of our country. That's how the Lord's going to shine. Lord, we come this morning and we pray for Christians involved in the education system in our country. We pray for Christian teachers and Christian lecturers. We pray for teachers teaching assistants. We pray, Lord, for those involved in Christian unions and going in and taking assemblies, open the book and various things. We pray for Christian students and young people, Christian children. Lord, we pray in our education system, shine, Jesus, shine. Help your people, Lord, to shine for you. Lord, we pray for industry and we pray, Lord, for the, the many, many factories. We pray, Lord, for the many, many offices. The many, many different ways in which people go to work for the shops and the, all of those things. Lord, in the midst of all of these places, there are Christians living for yourself. Lord, will you help your people to shine in the workplace? Shine, Jesus, shine through your people in the workplace. <coughs> Lord, we pray for Christians involved in the entertainment industry, Christians involved in sport. We think of the organisation Christians in Sport and we pray, help your people to shine for you in those circumstances. And Lord, in the activities of your church, Lord, shine. Jesus, shine, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. We also prayed, flood the nations with grace and mercy. You prayed that if you were here last Sunday. Let's pray it now. <coughs> Lord, we pray for the nations. And we're very, very aware that there's so many nations at the moment. There is so much darkness, so much evil. There's wars. There's oppression for your people. There's persecution for your people. Lord, vast, vast areas of this world are in terrible darkness. Lord, for your grace and your mercy, 
We pray for Christians suffering persecution. Help them in the darkness to keep shining. We pray for Christians, Lord, that are living in the areas of conflict, of war. Lord, help them to shine. Through them, Lord, your grace and your mercy. Lord, we just pray for those who have answered your call and go to live in these areas. They've gone to serve you in places of difficulty and trouble and danger. Lord, may your grace and your mercy be at work through them, we pray. In Jesus' name. And lastly, we prayed. Set our hearts on fire. That's the last one. We we, we actually prayed that last week, set our hearts on fire. Lord, we come before you. Well, I admit, I'm sure we'd all admit, that so often we're a bit lukewarm. Lord, we come and we pray. Lord, move in us by your Spirit. Help us, Lord, to so seek you and so want, Lord, that you would set our hearts on fire. It's so easy, Lord, to pray for others. It's so easy to pray, Lord, move by your Spirit. Lord, set our hearts on fire. Give us the enthusiasm and the zeal to serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Shine. Jesus, shine. Amen. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. This morning is from Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9. We're going to start at verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set the table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, Come, eat my food and drink the wine I've mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. We go over now to Proverbs chapter 23. Verse 6. Do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave delicacies. For he is the kind of man who's always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You will vomit up the little you have taken, and you will have wasted your compliments. Amen.
Sometimes when scripture is read, you think, what is that about? That might well be true of the last passage that Joe just read. You can't get to heaven on the back of a camel, we sang. Thank you, Paul. I was impressed by your air saxophone. Um, I hope it was picked up online. We'll find out later on. You can't get to heaven. Jesus Christ is the only way. In one sense, friend, that fits very neatly in with this theme of the seven pillars of wisdom. Because in truth, we can't get to heaven on a camel. But there are some times when all of us try to be camels in church. We take the ump. But the reality is, Jesus Christ never gave us that option. He says, rely on me. Come to me. Trust me. I am a person of integrity. And so this is the third time we've heard from this reading in Proverbs chapter 9. And just to remind you, I'm sure you know already, that in the reading we're told that wisdom according to Solomon and according to Proverbs, stands on these seven pillars. Now, we're not told what the seven pillars are, but over these coming weeks, I will share with you, with Tommy as well, what I believe are the themes of those pillars, the themes of truth that will lead you and I to a life of freedom in Christ. Yet, If you were to take chapter 9 and you read the chapter as a whole, you find something interesting. You will discover that wisdom and folly or foolishness are portrayed here as rival young women. That's that's why the she language in the passage that Joe read. And each preparing a feast and they're inviting people to it. And wisdom is this responsible woman of character. While folly is described as a prostitute serving food later on in the chapter. Wisdom, we discover, appeals first to the mind and folly first to the senses. This chapter reminds us of a truth, as true in Solomon's day as it is today. It is easier to excite the senses. But the pleasures of folly are temporary. By contrast, the satisfaction wisdom brings lasts forever. That would be a summary of chapter 9. That's important to remember in these coming weeks as we look at these seven pillars of wisdom. Why? Because in each of them, folly can seem so attractive. Well, we looked at pillars, as we said, called truth and integrity. And today, we look at the third pillar upon which I believe wisdom is built. Sorry, Sally, it's not working. Oh, hold on, I know why. It's because I have to press the button. Upon which, they go, wisdom, see? Upon which I believe wisdom is built. And that is Generosity. Proverbs 11:25 A generous person will prosper whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Now, I need to tell you something because I want to tell you this and promise you it's true. The theme for today was planned long before it was ever thought we'd need to write a letter to you about the church finances. 
And the reason we've chosen this Sunday to share the letter is not because of the theme of the Sunday, but because it's the first Sunday after the church members meeting, which was in the diary, just to let you know, in January 2023. That's why we're sharing the letter today. You can decide whether it's God's timing and God's prompting of you or not. I don't know if you realise it, but each of those pillars of wisdom that we shared, if you look at them, a strong argument can be weighed against doing it God's way. What is he talking about, you might say? Well, let's be honest, trusting others opens us up to hurt and disappointment, doesn't it? Or, Or integrity costs us immediate gratification almost every time. And what about this generosity? Well, generosity looks foolish in a society that judges success by the number of the things you accumulate or the wealth you possess. Two people come into church. One's dressed in a suit, the other in rags. Who do you listen to? I'll leave you with a question. Society listens to the slick, well-groomed man. Not the lady in rags. But perhaps we ought to stop and listen and be counterintuitive to all that society wants us to be. Generosity on the face of it looks foolish because I'll end up with less, we say. I'm going to try and show you that you'll end up with more. The question, therefore, is what does generosity mean in Proverbs? If we're going to stick to scripture, what does it mean? And why do I describe it as a pillar of wisdom? First of all, I'd like to argue this. It's it's kind of like a, a generous hand requires a generous heart. Think of that weird, if I can call scripture weird, sorry Joe, sort of strange passage that Joe read from Proverbs. Do not eat the fool of a begrudging host. Although, to be honest with you, I love what's in the NIV more than this version. But anyway, do not crave his delicacies. For he is the kind of person who's always thinking about the cross cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. You'll vomit up the little you have eaten and will have wasted your compliments. I hope, friends, you agree with me. And if you don't, that's okay, but... I hope you agree with me. As I look back upon my life, what I see from time to time are the actions of a generous God who has generously poured grace into my life. Everybody here know the grace of the Lord poured into their life? But that grace, if I'm being honest, and I know me, has been undeserved, unearned and unimaginable. So the truth is, if I rely upon me, if this church rely upon me, we are not going to do anything. Go anywhere or be anything. But it's the grace of Jesus Christ piled into my life that makes a huge heap of difference. More than that, Grace, as I stand here today, despite all that's happened in my life, I'm able to say in my life, God has given me peace and love and joy. Despite all that's happened. It was a few years ago, someone came up to me and said, I'd love to be you. And I went, why? Well, because you've got it all together, haven't you? You're the pastor. 
You must have it all together. Friends, that's a lie. I doubt as often as you doubt, worry as often as you worry, question as often as you question. But what I've discovered is throughout it all, God loves, God gives, and my joy is complete in him. There's no difference between me and you. Because you see, even if I was able to ignore what God has done in my life, when I look around the world, I see a generous God everywhere. I do. But more than that, I see a God who is serious about giving abundantly to you and I. Someone once said that we have a super abundant giving God, and I love that phrase. Our God just doesn't give a little, he gives abundantly. And I would argue that's also true super abundantly, beyond our imagination and our expectation. And that's true of everyone. I do not know what will happen to Steve from the situation he's in with his help, but I know this, that no matter what happens to Steve, our super abundant God will give super abundantly to Steve. And I love that. Because it means he can be relied on. And how do I know it? How do I know that? Isaiah 58, 11. Do you know the song you teach children? I'm not going to sing it because you wouldn't want me to. It goes, my God will supply all my needs. My God will supply all my needs. My God will supply all my needs. Because it says so in the Bible. Because it says so where in the book that came from heaven. Because it says so where, Isaiah 58, 11. My God will supply all my needs. Because it says so in the Bible. We have a super abundant God. And if you don't believe me and you don't think that's true of my life, just do me a favour. Think about creation and all the beauty that's in it, even in its fallen state. Or think about the depths he went to to redeem you. Or think about his covenant and his promises and his offers of fellowship. So, let me ask you a question about how you give to this superabundant God who gives you to you. How do you give? Do you have a generous heart? Do you rejoice and give? Do you give legalistically? Do you give grudgingly? Or have you stopped giving at all? All of those are possible responses, of course. A generous hand requires a generous heart. God gives because his heart is generous. Proverbs, 20, Proverbs 3, 27 to 27, 28. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is your power to act. Do not say to your neighbour, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you, when you already have it with you. Okay, you see, I might recognise that I don't have this kind of generous heart. How do I change? Well, simply put, like this. If you're not acting generously, just begin. It's, it, honestly, it is that simple. If you're acting outwardly generous but inwardly stingy, simply continue. Plus, draw closer to the giver. 
If you want to be a generous giver, there's no secret to it. You give and you draw close to God. That's it. Simple. Or some advert says that, doesn't it? But you get my drift. Really simple stuff. How do we do this? Well, you can then remind yourself regularly of a truth. That everything you have comes from God in the first place. And only what you give away will have eternal significance. Do you know, God won't say to you when you get to heaven, um, it's like this, did you live in a one-bedroom flat or a 30-bedroom mansion? Because where you live will depend upon that. That is not true at all. Only what you give away has eternal significance. Then, blessing is a byproduct of generosity. Proverbs 11, 24 to 26 say this. One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A general per- generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Remember we had that a little bit earlier on. People curse the one who hoards grain, but they pray God's blessing on the one who is willing to sell. It's quite an astonishing verse. It's countercultural, but it's true. You know, Aristotle once observed something about the natural universe, or the, sorry, the, the natural earth. He said this No true vacuum exists in nature on earth, and that nature itself will always fill any vacuum that tries to form. That was Aristotle. Generosity, friends, creates a vacuum into which God flows, enabling us to go on giving again and again and again. There was once two young men who were working their way through a university in America called the Leyland Stanford University, and it was the early 1900s. And to be honest, their funds had got desperately low. And so they came up with a plan. They engaged this guy. Okay, he's a Polish composer. He's called Paderowski. And he was a famous, conduct, uh, famous um, composer and a famous pianist. And what they decided to do was really simple. You see, what they would do is hire, the, hire a hall somewhere. They would book this guy. They would sell tickets. And then any profit was theirs. That was their plan. So they did that. Now they were told by this guy's manager um, that in order for him to come and play, he would require $2,000. Which, in early 1900s America, is a lot of money, right? Anyway, undaunted, these students decided that what they would do is take on the challenge. So they hired the hall, and they had the great man come and play the piano, and all was brilliant, until they got to the end of the evening. And what happened at the end of the evening was they counted up the money and discovered they'd only got £1,600. Remember, they've committed to pay him 2000 So with what one of them would later describe as a bit of fear and trepidation, they went to him and they said, look, Mr. Padawski, here's £1,600 and a promissory note signed by all four of us, there were four students, I should have told you that, sorry, for the other £400. We'll pay you when we can. Paderowski looked at it and went, no, that won't do. It just won't do. 
And what he did was he picked up the note and he tore, tore it into tiny pieces and he threw it away. And he said, take the $1,600 you've got and take out your costs. And once you've got that figure, take 10% for each of you and then send me the rest and we'll call it quits. Got that? Generosity, isn't it? Paderewski was uh, going to uh, become, in, in a bit later life, in 1918, he became uh, the uh, president of Poland. And after the First World War, he was in desperate straits, and so were the Poles with regards to feeding the country. And so he had nowhere else to turn but to America, to a chap who was in control of food distribution across the globe and response and aid at the time, a guy called Herbert Hoover, who would later on go and become the US president. And Hoover responded to Paderewski. He sent him enough food for the nation to be fed. Now, it was a bit later on at the Treaty of Versailles in 1919 that Paderewski, representing the Poles, travelled and he met Herbert Hoover. And he thanked Hoover for his great generosity of feeding these people. Do you know what Herbert Hoover turned around and said to him? This is what he said to the word. That's all right, Mr. Paderewski, was Hoover's replied. Besides, you don't remember it, but you once helped me out of a hole when I was in college. It's an awesome story because I want to tell you this, your gift of generosity may leave your hand, but it will never leave your life. That's what Paderewski learned that day. And Herbert Hoover learned it too. We're called to show the world through our generosity. The reality that we have a generous God, or to put it another way, Proverbs 28, 27, those who give to the poor will lack nothing but those who close their, eyes, close their eyes to them receive many curses. We have a generous God. And that generosity speaks not only of our heart and love, but importantly, the love and the heart we have of our Saviour. Now, I love this phrase. It's just brilliant. God is the one who made the system. Do not feel guilty for sowing seeds in faith. Okay, in other words, give generously and we're sowing. Selfishness, secondly, shoot, thirdly rather, short circuits human happiness. Proverbs 28, 22. The stingy, it uses that word a few times, Proverbs. Okay, Solomon was not afraid of calling a spade a spade. The stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. Wow. Or Proverbs 14, 30 to 31. A, a heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honours God. Can you see how both of those are about generosity? Being wise. Friends, it's true to say, and I put these up just to, as aid memoirs to me more than you, but the reality is, if you're in a, selfish in your marriage, it won't be a happy marriage. 
If you're selfish in your finances, you won't find joy in the material things you hoard. If you're selfish with your talent, you'll find it loses its appeal. The call today is one to one of open-hearted generosity. Thank you earlier on, Alec, for praying for teachers and for children in our schools. They need prayer today, I would argue, possibly more than ever, to actually be the light of Christ in those situations. I heard this story. It's supposed to be true, but I've no way of confirming it. Okay, but there was once... A teacher who was standing before her class and she was trying to teach the class what being generous means. And she said this, unselfishness means voluntarily going without something you need. Unselfishness means voluntarily going without something you need. And she asked the class if anyone could think of an example. There's a little boy who put his hand up and he said this, Oh, she later would write and say he excitedly put his hand up. I mean, Sally, I'm sure, knows much about little boys putting their hands up excitedly and all that. Yeah, yeah, I've got the answer, miss. And this is what he said. Yeah, I can. But what is it, she said. Sometimes, he said, sometimes I even go without a bath, despite the fact I need one. (laughs) Friends, we know that's not generosity, don't we? (laughs) That's not generosity at all. Generosity is giving what we have away. Even the very best of what we have away. There's been a study going on for the past 40 years or so by a lady called Eunice Pike. And she is working with a group of Indians in southwest Mexico. They're called the Mazatecs. They've probably never heard of them. But her... Her responses, her findings are astonishing. Now she describes them as a beautiful people, but she says some of the things she's found are interesting. For instance, she says, the people seldom wish someone else well. Not only that, they're hesitant to teach one another, or if they become Christians, to share the gospel with one another. And she cites an example. She says, if asked... Who taught you to bake bread? The village baker answers, I just know. Meaning that he has acquired the knowledge without anybody's help. Now Eunice says, the odd behaviour stems from the Indian's concept of limited good. They believe, as a tribe, that there is only so much good, so much knowledge, or so much love to go around. And so, therefore... To teach each other means you drain yourself of some of your knowledge. Can you see how that works from their perspective? Or to love, literally, a second child means you have to love the first child less. Or to wish someone well to have a good day means that you've just given away some of your happiness, which you can't ever get back. Challenges in churches around the country, we've got many people that live like that. Friends, do you know the best way this church could ever be blessed? Let's be generous. Do you know the best thing you could, uh, we could ever do for our community is to be generous because God wants us to be generous. Do you know we have a generous God? Do you know that? We started by saying we did. We do. And we should be a generous people. We're called to put to, to the sword the lie 
that there's only so much love, so much of God's goodness to go around. It's interesting, isn't it? We, we pray, as Ali did for those people, we often say to Minehead, or in one way, shape or form, we love you. But the next thing we do is we say, but we're happy for you to have the scraps from our table. Does that show love? Does that show generosity? I'd argue at best that's simply pity. So, we're going to end there. Because it's time to turn the tables. To show the generosity that our Lord's shown us to our neighbour and the town. Show the wisdom of generosity and to proclaim to Minehead and the world the good news about a generous God. Want to know how all of that works in practice? Well, as we said before, all you've got to do is start and you'll see it working. I, I love Solomon. Some of the Proverbs, I go, I just don't understand you, mate, that you're less critical than me and you're more holy, so you wouldn't use the word mate, but you get my drift. But I also want to say, Solomon, this wise man, if he thought generosity was a pillar, and I do believe he did, then we'd do well to follow the prompting of God, wouldn't we? Amen. Let's pray, friends. Lord, as I think of that word generosity, I am bound to acknowledge how generous you've been with me. And I pray, Lord, I would show that generosity to others. Lord, may I start with my brothers and sisters in Christ here, but may it not be confined to these walls, but reach out beyond them to our brothers and sisters in Christ across all denominations and to the town beyond, to those who don't know your name. I pray that your generosity would, Lord, flow from this place. And that we might be known as people whose hearts are open to the love of Jesus Christ and whose actions flow from that love. I pray to our generous God that in your generosity you would pour blessings into our lives, not that we may be blessed, Lord, but that so this town may be blessed and you would be both blessed and a blessing to mine head. Make us generous, Lord. Where we have been stingy, forgive us, we pray. And Lord, may we recognise your generosity and share the good news of our generous God with others. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, as I was praying there, again, sometimes God does this stuff, okay? So if this is you, please come and find me later on. But someone here is struggling because they're not quite sure if, if God can forgive whatever the sin is you're holding. I want to tell you the truth. Our generous God has dealt with the world's sins. And so it's done. It's over. The transaction is sorted. And yes, the sin has been dealt with. And if later on after the service you want to come and speak to me, 
or to someone you know and love and trust, please do so. Because I think the Lord wants you to leave here today released, but understanding it comes from his generosity and free. Uh, uh, when I was uh, working in the bank, I used to pass this same chap every day uh, at the same time from Cannon Street. Every day I passed him, every day, every day, every day. And I realised that uh, one, one of the times I was passing and this chap put a 50p piece in and he literally said to the guy that was passing him, I earn more than you in an hour. And I genuinely wondered how I would respond to him. So one day I put him a coffee uh, from other sellers in the newsagents and I went and put it down in front of him and I got this begrudging, hmm. And I went, brother, I just want to give to you what the law, what, what you've got from no one else. And he went, what's that? I said, the coffee comes with the love of Jesus. And I walked off. Do you know, every time I, well, not every time, sometimes when I passed him thereafter, he would go, hello. I wondered if he ever wanted me to truly buy him another cup of coffee. Please don't get me wrong. But generosity can breed so much more than we really know. Let's worship the Lord and bring ourselves before him. Paul. Okay. Yeah, as we were reading those uh, verses together, it reminded me of a time when we were newly married. And we went to a stately home. We got there too early. And as we sat outside, an elderly couple rolled up in their car. And from the boot, they took out a big picnic hamper. They laid a table, they put roast chicken, sandwiches. It looked delicious. And the next thing they did, they wandered over to us and said, would you like to share our meal with us? Well, we said, oh no, we couldn't possibly. And they turned around and said, interesting, they said, you wouldn't be too proud to share a meal with an elderly couple. And Jesus lays his table for us and says, come. Oh, I couldn't possibly. If I could work for it, if I could pay for it, I'd come. And he says, would you be too proud to share a meal with the King of Kings? This song is a new song. You've only heard it before. We go through the, the verse twice and then twice through the chorus. Um, it's quite a lively when it's sort of got a Jewish sort of flavour to it. So if you want to get up and move around, you can even come and use one of the instruments if you want to the French. So it's called Give to the Lord Glory and Strength. writes to the church in Corinth he writes to a church that is quite frankly excelling in everything they've got good preachers they excel in faith they've much knowledge there's much mission work going on and this is what he writes 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 7 but just as you excel in everything in faith in speech in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. 
For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Paul writes and basically says, a giving is a response of love to the one who gave his all in the first place. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ that together you would give us a spirit of generosity. Make us wise beyond our knowledge, Lord. So that in truth, with integrity and generously, we may declare to all we meet this week, Jesus is Lord. And the good news of the gospel might be on our lips to share. And by the prompting of the Holy Spirit, generous God, I pray that this week we may feel you with us, know you with us, and you be glorified in each of our lives. In Jesus' blessed name I pray. Amen. To leave a comment, please go to minehead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening and I'll speak to you soon.